two years, and we're still here. Lo-Fi Polysite Podcast coming at you. Michael Pickering here talking about our famous question. What's going on in the world today? And we got a full lineup for you, peeps. We got that Lo-Fi Global for you. We got that Metro Weather for you. We got that Weekend Box Office. Some connected the dots, the music, the trivia, the story time. So sit back for the next little bit and just breathe. Let's go with that Lo-Fi Global. The news fresh off that press. First up. Let's travel to Tanzania in Southeast Africa, where there's a lot of talk about the first female president, President Samaya, talking to two leading opposition figures. And we talked about President Samaya coming to power last year when the former president died and how the direction of the country at that moment was pretty authoritarian, to say the least, but how the possibility for change was in the air. Now it seems slowly. That change has started to materialize in Tanzania, and there's a lot of hope, especially since the president is meeting with these opposition figures who, one is just getting out of jail for politically motivated charges, and the other is still outside the country in exile. You know, the fact that this meeting is taking place is a good sign. The fact that political openness seems to be on the horizon, and perhaps even true multi-party elections, free and fair, could be a reality? Well, this is all good news indeed for Tanzania. And while we could and probably should say that there is still a ways to go to see how this all turns out, yeah, we probably should say that. But after one year in power, I'm really excited to see what President Samaya does with her second year in power. We'll keep an eye on things for sure and let you know what we hear, people. Now, let's head over to East Timor to talk more presidential news. And if you're unsure where East Timor is, also known as Timor-Leste, it's an island nation to the north-northwest of Australia, and formerly part of Indonesia until it won its independence around 2002. It is one of the youngest countries in the world. So Timor-Leste just had presidential elections, and two main candidates are thought to be the forerunners, um, the former president and the incumbent president. And all the voting is done. And on Saturday, they started counting the votes, and they should be done by Thursday to announce who's the new president. This election here, and those right before it, and those coming up soon, are incredibly important for Timor-Leste. As such a new country, only 20 years old, these first few presidents are shaping the political norms and traditions for the country's presidency, potentially forever. How these elections go and how these candidates and presidents act leave a legacy for all candidates and presidents afterwards. They shape what the country's electoral process and executive branch look like and act like. I'm very interested to see who wins this one, people. And a side note to you, I was looking at pictures from different stories on this one, and one caught my eye. It was a picture of people loading ballot boxes onto a truck to be delivered from the polling station to the election office for official counting. You know, blue boxes, crates, Tupperware, whatever you want to call them. But what it automatically made me think of. Elections. They are carried out in very different ways across the planet. The way people vote, very, very different. Just an interesting little side note for you out there. All right, all right, all right. Let's switch gears a bit with this next one and check out what's going down in a non-election-needed presidential story in Turkmenistan. And a bit of geography for you out there. Turkmenistan borders and is north of Iran and Afghanistan out in Central Asia. Now you know. So the story. The son of the former president who just left power and was in power since 2006. Well, that guy's son won a presidential election with 73% of the vote and is now the new president of Turkmenistan. Now, a few things here for you, lo-fi listeners, because I know Turkmenistan is one of those lesser-known countries if you're from Europe or the U.S. or the West in general, but it would appear that 73%, it's a good win. You know, it's solid. Not like 99%, that is obviously bullshit. And not a 51% where, you know, you might be suspect of it. 73% looks legit. But when you dig a little deeper and you throw onto that, that his pappy was president for 18 years and Turkmenistan is a former Soviet Union state that never really democratized, you start to wonder, 
And then you take a quick glance over to Freedom House to see just how democratic those elections are and how democratic Turkmenistan just may be altogether. And let me just go ahead and quote Freedom House right here. Begin quote. Turkmenistan is a repressive authoritarian state where political rights and civil liberties are almost completely denied in practice. Elections are tightly controlled, ensuring nearly unanimous victories for the president and his supporters. The economy is dominated by the state. Religious groups are persecuted, and political dissent is not tolerated. End quote. Mic drop. They have a freedom score of 2 out of 100. Just for reference... North Korea has a 3 out of 100. North Korea has one point more of freedom than Turkmenistan. Now you tell me, what do you think about that 73% victory now, question mark? Right in, I'm curious, your thoughts. Next up, out in South Korea, a new president is elected and will take office in May. And South Korea, as a point of reference for you, is just east of Japan and has an 83 out of 100 freedom score, which, if you remember, is the same score as that country north of Mexico and south of Canada. Now you know. Well, that was a tight race. I mean, tight, tight, tight race. The new president won with 48.56% against the second place candidate who had 47.83%. I mean, just under a 1% difference, and he got the presidency. And in case you're wondering, no, South Korea does not have an electoral college that gave him the presidency without winning the popular vote. South Korea simply has what's known as a one round plurality vote presidential election system, meaning, Whoever has the most votes wins, period. And they only get one term of five years. And so you can't run for re-election in South Korea. But anyway, so he wins. But he's quickly in democracy news. Not for that. But for a campaign promise he made that, he may actually try to put into effect. He campaigned on closing one of South Korea's ministry offices. And, you know, just to give you some idea, think of a U.S. Department of something or other. You know, that's what we're talking about. But a government ministry. And which government ministry do you think he wants to close? I'll give you a five count to guess. And five, four, three, two, one. South Korea's Ministry of Gender Equality and Family. Yep. A couple of weeks ago, we had International Women's Day, and it's still International Women's Month. And here we have, in a democracy no less, presidential candidates winning elections with campaign promises on shutting down a ministry of gender equality and family. What more can we say with this story that the story itself doesn't already say? The patriarchy is real, people. And it's global. And we'll keep you posted on how this plays out, though, once he comes into power in May. Because there are surely some strong opposition to this move within South Korea's people and political parties. And a last bit of that lo-fi global for the moment. To Peru we go. A South American country that borders the Pacific Ocean, with Ecuador and Colombia to the north, Brazil and Bolivia to the east, and Chile to the south. And here we're talking an update to a presidential story that goes back decades. To the 1990s and early 2000s, in fact. Former President Dick Tater, sorry about that, I cut out a little bit right there, but I'm not going to edit, I'll keep it on in. Former President Fujimori of Peru, who in the 1990s uses his fight against a leftist drug cartel named Sendero Luminoso to justify his thievery, bribery, cheatery, murder, extortion, crimes against humanity. This guy did it all. Well, things got so hot for him back in the day that he went into self-imposed exile and fled to Japan in the early 2000s. And while he was gone, he was impeached and charged with lots of these crimes that we just mentioned. But he never went back. But then, in 2005, he went to Chile, right next door. He was arrested, and he was sent to Peru, where he faced and was found guilty of and even admitted to bribery, extortion, kidnapping, murder, crimes against humanity. My friends, this was slash is not a nice person. Needless to say, definitely not a nice person to be a president. He stole somewhere around $164 million of government, of people's money, 
to fund his own political campaigns and agendas back in the 1990s alone. Well, in 2017, he was given a pardon due to medical reasons from his 25-year sentence he was serving. The Supreme Court at that time said, bullshit, I think not, and ordered his ass back to jail. But now, it was just announced, the Constitutional Court of Peru has re-granted that pardon. Look, I'll be straight up with you. I have mixed feelings about this one. I don't know what to think. You know, do I think being humanitarian to those legitimately ill that are imprisoned is a good thing? Yeah, I think being human or being humane is most certainly a good thing. But is this legit? Or is Fujimori pulling a fast one on Peru again? And that is hard to say. Now, write in, lo-fi listeners. I want to hear your thoughts on this one. Ooh, lots of presidential news around the world for you right there, my friends. Intense, intense, I know, I know. But now, let's switch gears yet again and get you that five-day Metro New Orleans weather and the weekend box office report right after. Everyone always wants to know, is it cloudy with a chance of meatballs? We got you covered, Nola. Monday, mostly bright skies and temperatures between 70 to 76 degrees. Almost no chance of meatballs, just beautiful spring in the air. And spring equinox, people, check yourself, check it out. 12 days sunlight, 12 days night, something's always going down. And Tuesday, 98%, yes, yes, it is in fact going to be cloudy with a chance of meatballs on Tuesday. Temps between 54 and 81 degrees. Getting warm Tuesday. But make sure to bring your meatball repellent umbrella wherever you go. And Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday though. Little chance of meatballs. Mostly beautiful. Temps in the 50s to the 60s. Damn, I love New Orleans spring. And that's your five-day weather, Nola. But always remember, it is New Orleans. It could rain any day and every day. Don't forget to look outside before you walk outside. That's what I like to say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, how about that weekend box office report? Stop the music. Has Batman outperformed Spider-Man at the box office? Question mark. Let's find out. What did people check out in cinemas this weekend? Coming in at number five is Dog with four million in ticket sales. Number four, X with four point four million at the box office. Number three, Uncharted at eight million in sales. Number two, Jujutsu Kaisen o the movie with fourteen point eight million. Sorry for the pronunciation, people. Come at me. Number one. The Batman, with $36 million in the box office, and a worldwide total of $598 million. So damn, Batman is raking in the money. Will it catch Spider-Man's $1.8 billion, though? Question mark. Who knows? Only another $1.2 billion to go, and Batman wins. Though, Spider-Man was still number six at the box office this weekend, with another $3 million. And did you check out a movie this weekend? Would you go see? How was it? Record a quick review. Send it on in. We'll play it on air. And did you go see the Batman? Any thoughts on that? Or did you stay home and study? We stayed home too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, enough. Cue the music. It's time for that deep dive and connecting the dots. Connecting the dots. We go into that one global news story and dig into the heart of it all and then let you know why it all matters. Today... We're talking about presidents around the world. Couldn't help it. Couldn't avoid it. There's so much going on. So many of them. So many, many. Let's talk about it. But at that macro-global level, you know? But let's start off with a brief background to set up our conversation to inform us about what's really going on in the world today. First off, when I talk about presidents here in this story, in many ways I just mean world leaders in general. You know, presidents are just one kind of world leader. You have monarchs, kings, and queens, and supreme leaders, chancellors, prime ministers, chairpersons, presidents, all different names, usually denoting either the way that they come to power or the power that they hold. But presidents are unique in that, generally speaking, they come to power via elections, nationwide elections. 
though if they're free and fair, well, that's not the point here. And look, not all presidents have equal power, and such is true with all the labels of world leaders that we just named. Look, you know, the monarchy in the United Kingdom has almost no power. The monarchy in Saudi Arabia has almost absolute power. The president of Russia has more power than the president of France, and the president of France has more power than the prime minister of France, and the prime minister of India has more power than the prime minister of France. You get the point, right? These labels mean different things depending on where you are in the world as to what you're talking about. Simple as that. So while this connecting the dots is about presidents, it's really about world leaders in general. All right, now that the stage is set, let's dig into the meat and potatoes of it all and talk about what's going on right now across the planet. And there's lots of new presidential elections taking place and lots of just overall presidential news going on. You know, presidents all over making huge power plays, both domestically and internationally. Basically, presidents be playing politics in a big kind of way right now. Okay. So let's see how that's all connected. Let's see how presidential plays in, I don't know, Timor-Leste, Tanzania, South Korea, Turkmenistan, and Peru. How they're all connected to the rest of the world. And let me start by saying, in every one of these countries, other presidents are watching exactly what's going down. All of them want to know what's going to happen in these countries. Because you see, presidents, well, they get ideas from other presidents around the planet. They get political advice, tips, tidbits, examples of power plays to be had and ways to manipulate people in which they had not thought previously possible. You know, watching global presidential power plays is a good litmus test for domestic presidents to see what they can get away with at home and what they can't. And that goes for both at home and on the international scene. Because there isn't a president on the planet who thinks the newly elected president of Turkmenistan was elected in a free and fair election. No one believes that bullshit. They may support him, they may say publicly that it was a free and fair election, but everyone knows it wasn't. It's a family dynasty, a kleptocracy, simple as that. But you see, if the international community doesn't do anything about it, and the people of Turkmenistan don't do anything about it, and the world keeps spinning, then presidents everywhere know they can do it too. Point of fact, too, likely this may sound familiar with our conversation about military coups and militaries around the world, and that's because it's along the same lines. If the former president of Peru, for example, can commit crimes against the humanity, plead guilty to as much, and then claim to be medically ill and needs to be released from prison, and then is released from prison, and no one does anything about it, both at home or around the world, then all presidents know that they can do this. If a president in South Korea can get elected and shut down a government ministry of gender inequality and family, in a democracy no less, then presidents everywhere know they can do the same. Presidents create precedent. They create the first case which gives others a platform to stand on. And presidents around the world make their moves. And presidents around the world are watching. Are you? Now, we ain't your grandpappy's Fox, nor your sister CNN. Mm -mm -mm. We be lo-fi poli-sci, which means we bring that political science perspective to what's going on in the world today. And we talk about what's going on in the world tomorrow. Political science is about predictions, so let's make some and see just where this story may go moving forward. And look, I'll be real with you. The world is watching Russia and Ukraine right now and what those two presidents are doing at this very moment and time. And that plays into this too, because what they do signals to other presidents as well as to some possibilities for what those other presidents may do and the ramifications of doing those things. And straight up, look at how the world has been going. Looking at Freedom House's 15 years straight decline in global freedoms and civil liberties and civil rights across all types of countries around the planet. More and more presidents are becoming assholes. The trend isn't good, people. And for 15 years, well, you already know. But with all that being said, right about now, you just may be wondering, so what? This is worlds away from me. Why should we even care? Our democracy is rock solid enough. We're good. 
and the quick answer I'll always give you first. I cannot, nor will I ever, tell you what to care about. What you care about is your business, and people are diverse and different. Instead, what I'll do is tell you why this story matters to me. You see, to say I care about people, it's not a cliche. It's not even an understatement. It's a fact. I know people from all over the world. Literally, not figuratively. I have friends, students, former students, family, people from all over every corner of this planet that I know. So when I see trends like this, regardless of where I live, I think about those people, about my people, all people, which are our people. I think about how some of them I may never hear from again or see again because politics in some places is clamping down that hard. I think, will they ever really be able to reach their dreams? You know, to grab them and to fully reach their potential? I think we are not alone. I am not alone. They are not alone. And what happens to them, it hits me in a real kind of way. And that's why this story matters to me. And that, my friends, is connecting the dots, lo-fi poli-sci style. All right, let's chill for a second. Let's reset. Let's cue up some music. We'll be back in just a second with our good friend Gregory Day and the trade-off. Hipsville AD joining the show with us. How are you doing, my friend? Oh, I'm doing fantastic, man. Enjoying this uh, almost spring day we got going on here in Texas. I feel you. I feel you. I'm a little tired of that cold stuff, too. But anyway, 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 All right, let's lay it down. How does this trade-off work for the good people at home so they know? Yeah, the trade-off is our segment where we swap music and uh, hopefully turn uh, each other on to something really cool or, uh, or maybe that we've never been exposed to. So uh, every week we switch songs and uh, reflect on them. That's it, that's it. All right, do you want to go first or second? Yeah, I'll go first. Yeah, it seems to be in uh, the long-standing order of this segment. Um, I, You gave me Smoke and Mirrors by RJD2, uh, and uh, this is one I was familiar with, but I hadn't listened to it in a while, so it was great to finally get a chance to, to give it a, a re-listen. Um, and yeah, RJD2, if anyone's listening who's not familiar with this guy, is just one of the you know, one of the, the best instrumental hip hop artists there are, at least in my opinion, um, and Spoken Mirrors, uh, you know, is the cornerstone of, of really what he does. He just mixes uh, funk beats with uh, jazz and lounge and soul just to an incredible effect. And um, this this is a great track. Just, it's mellow. Uh, it's good for a Sunday morning drive, which I listened to uh, this morning while I was, was running some errands. Um, just a good vibe. And um Looking into the record that it's from, Dead Ringer, I can't believe that it's 20 years old this year. Um, just that really hit me as uh, I know, right? It, sound, it sounds fresh, like it just came out. Um, yeah, it's such a great track, and you know, I've loved with it for quite some time. So, what does this what does this track mean to you? Oh, so much, so much. So, I also want to give a shout out. So, I think you did a good job, like introducing RJD2, and like you said, this was from his first release album back in 2002. But this song, Smoke and Mirrors, is a remix from Marion Black's Who Knows, which came out in 1970. Mm. And I even want to give that song some shout out and some love, too, because it's such a great bluesy, solely kind of song. And I love it so much. And a lot of times I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of remixes. I mean, there's a lot of good ones. Mm -hmm. But whenever you have such a great original track like Who Knows from 1970, and then RJ Didu comes in in 2002, over 32 years later, and creates this amazing new age kind of sound to it with, you know, they have this dramatic introduction with the bass and the synthesizers and the keyboard. And for the first 50 seconds, it's just the music and it's just chill and it's slow and it gets the mood. And it's, it's like, it hits me in my mind and soul and I just feel it and it draws me in and I start to think. And then the drums hit and the lyrics come and it and it goes who knows what tomorrow will bring maybe sunshine or maybe rain but as for me i'll wait and see maybe it'll bring my love to me who knows and that i mean i just love and 
RJD2 takes that directly from Marion Black's 1970. Like it's the exact thing. He doesn't cut up or mix up any of the lyrics right there. And it's just amazing to me to actually think that, you know, sunshine or rain, you never know what the day is going to be like. But mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you can't hope for something great. Um, and as Marion says, you know, maybe it'll bring his love to him. And it just, I don't know, over the past year or so, this one came back to me because I even remember going to an RJD2 show, or at least I remember some of the show. But uh, <laughs> it was it was an amazing show. And throughout all this time, and like you said, I had kind of forgotten about RJD2 for a while. You start listening to a lot of newer music and stuff. But last year, this one came back to me in a pretty upsy-downsy kind of time in my life. And it just reminded me, you know, it's like, who knows what tomorrow will bring? Maybe sunshine, maybe rain, but maybe, just maybe, it'll bring my love to me. And I think those are words that all of us have sung in some shape or form before. And so I just wanted to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting too because it is, is very hopeful song, but the but the title is almost misleading as as if as if it's about self deception, maybe. Um, but maybe it's a world that brings smoke and mirrors to people, you know. Um, and try to tries to kill that hope uh and uh yeah it's an interesting or maybe it'd be a great uh, juxtaposition of like the title versus what the message of the song is yeah i think so and like smoke and mirrors is a phrase that i use quite a bit in my life actually and i think you're right with such a hopeful song and then a title like smoke and mirrors you have to kind of wonder like what was rjd2 going on what did he have going on in his life when he he did this mix um i was curious but all right, let's go ahead and check out your song, my friend. And uh, you want to give the intro into it or you want me to? No, why don't you tell me what you, what you uh, think about it? And then uh, I think, uh, honestly, this worked out to, uh, to be a good mix uh, or a good pairing of songs because I'm going to get into uh, the history of this band here after I hear what you have to say and uh, how they kind of relate to uh, each other, RGD2 and the Cramps. That is interesting. And, and for people listening, so we don't know each other's songs before we tell each other on air, like before we talk about it. So like, I had no idea he was going to choose this song and he had no idea I was going to choose Smoke and Mirrors. And it just, it ended up being the two songs who got paired together. And so the song you sent me was Human Fly by The Cramps. And for real, I got feels of old school punk rock right here, like right away. Like it made me feel like the Ramones or the Sex Pistols and older feeling of kind of just chilling into the 70s and 80s, but trying to do something different than the 70s and 80s you know like i could totally see this song playing in uh, i don't know like a quentin tarantino movie or something like that and it it definitely brought me back to another time in my life when i was just discovering older punk rock for the first time and dude i really liked it and the mix of the the backup distorted guitars with a lead guitar and high reverb and it was a great great combo but i'm really curious and i totally didn't look it up because i wanted to hear it from you but what do you think these lyrics are about being a human fly? Because <laughs> I kind of have my own thoughts, uh -huh. but it just made me think like, and without going into it deeper, I, I'd never heard this song before. So, so you tell me, what is this about? Yeah, I think it's about a few things, uh, mainly so to kind of give you context of what this band is. The Cramps were definitely a part of that original uh, scene of punk rock that, that blew up in New York in the, in 77, um, the CBGB scene, you know, with Blondie and the Ramones, and many of those bands, um, but they weren't quite like them because they were more focused on the history of American music, like rockabilly and surf rock and garage rock. And uh, they were a band that uh, was sort of the first band to like go crate digging and just try to discover weird esoteric American music, which they then took these uh, obscure little singles they would find and kind of worked them into their um into their music and kind of covers and like and or or really like samples as as we relate to to these kinds of things now with hip-hop um and so they would get these guitar licks or, or so forth and uh but all of that is kind of wrapped up in this b movie and horror movie exploitation movie kind of influence this like schlocky lurid um sexy kind of um kind of aesthetic um and so this particular song i think has a few things going on one i think it's it's a nod to like the fly movies of this of the 50s with vincent price in it uh or i was a there's they have another song called i was a teenage werewolf um which is a reference to the film of that title but i think the human fly kind of goes towards that any of that um 
kind of movie genre as well about struggling to actually be turned into a fly but i think it's also got stuff to do with like drug addiction and um maybe um you know feelings of of uh of rampant sexual aggression and stuff like this that comes with being a rock star um but the song complements it very well with like this uh sort of like strange um plucky guitar the reverb which is sort of like flying around um but it's also got this uh undercut like buzz uh from the other guitar in the track that kind of um is a super aggressive um with it with this uh song about a monster so uh, i don't know it's it could be about a few things but i'm interested to see what uh or interested to hear what you think about it totally makes sense now you talk about the the throwbacks to the movies and how they were digging through the crates and finding singles and it, it totally fits into it i really see it now but i was when I was listening to it a few times and listening to the words and stuff, I couldn't help but because I didn't look up the band and see what era they were in, but I kind of felt like they were in that Ramones era, punk rock, 70s, the the human fly aspect and what they were feeling about and talking about kind of made me feel like this song was kind of going or telling rather what it's like to go against the grain of the 1970s and 80s music scene. Because I think in 1970s, I mean, granted, I, you have a whole lot of rock going on in the 70s, but you also have like Woodstock era is kind of like dying out. But then you have stuff like disco is coming in and you have stuff like the 80s. R&B is starting to pick up and other movements in the 80s are really starting to hit big. But punk rock was always on the fringe and on the margins. Like, And I imagine for them, I'd never heard of them, but I know for a lot of the other punk rock bands at the time, getting picked up on a music label was next to impossible mm -hmm. because it just wasn't, it wasn't in the mainstream. It wasn't what people were craving. And so I could kind of feel like this song was a discussion from them saying what it was to exist, you know, against the human fly. Like maybe they were the human fly in the music industry and the music industry was just trying to bat them away, but they weren't going away. They had their music and they wanted to put it out. Um, I don't know. That's a great interpretation. Yeah. Um, I think to that point, yeah, I think it is uh, does hit on the point of being like the scuzzy, um, you know, dirty band that's not your parents' music um, and kind of uh, casting aside all of the mainstream rock and everything like that. Yeah, it was a great pick, man. And it, like I said, it really threw me back to some old school tunes I hadn't listened to in a long time. Yeah. All right, my friend, what are we listening to next time? Yeah, next time I'm switching up. Uh, switching up here, we're going to go with uh, Tonight by LCD Sound System. Tonight, LCD Sound System. All right, gotcha, gotcha. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> All right. Which makes me excited. And for you, I decided to go with something I knew you had never heard before. Okay. Um, but I also decided it was time to break into my lo-fi playlist for Ooh, you. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, I mean lo-fi poli sci it only makes sense right I, I eventually had to come down this track um, of course so the artist's name is emily farrell um, and her lo-fi release is titled cosmetic world and i'll send all this to you uh, because you're gonna have to find it well i'm gonna send you the link on youtube okay but it's a 24 minute release but the nice. first track of it mm -hmm. is foggy dreams and it's like a two minute 17 second cut track um, and that's the one and like i said i'll send it to you directly for sure Okay. I'm curious, curious what you think about this. Yeah, one. yeah. All right. All right. And for you listeners now, send in your thoughts as well as let us know what you think about the music. And maybe we'll go ahead and read them on the show. And Gregory Day, until the next trade-off, turn it up and play it loud. Yes, sir. All right. Back in a second, the five listeners. those tunes and big thanks to gregory day of hipsville ad for coming back talking music with us but now it's time for that lo-fi global trivia we'll be coming at you with five fast-paced global trivia questions and give you five seconds to think of an answer and today we got some happy trivia for you our very first list ever done on lo-fi poli side two years ago 
was the happiest countries of the world. And you may have recently seen in the news the World Happiness Report 2022 is out. We'll do that top 10 list soon enough. But today's trivia is all about the actual World Happiness Report to see just what you know about it all. And question number one, who makes the World Happiness Report? And five, four, three, two, one. The United Nations Sustainable Development Solutions Network. And they really need an abbreviation for that. Question number two, how do you know which country is the happiest? And five, four, three, two, one. Survey says... You ask people what survey is simple as that. Question number three. Is the United States the happiest place on earth? And five, four, three. Hell, you already know the answers. No, you don't need a five count for that. Question number four. What country is the happiest country on earth 2022? And five, four, three, two, one. Oh, coming to a top 10 list near you soon. I'm not telling you today, but I think you can already guess the region. And a last one, question number five. Does this world happiness report really matter? And five, four, three, two, one. Yeah, it does. Because what's life without being happy? You know, the merit of the methodology. Well, that's an entirely different conversation. But happiness? Oh, that most certainly matters. And that's Lo-Fi Global Trivia for the week. Write and let us know what you got right. Or even better, write and let us know what we got wrong. Maybe the U.S. is the happiest place on Earth? Question mark. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We may even read your messages on air. But let's take a quick break and listen to some tunes. A little Lo-Fi Polysite OG mix. That luscious Luna Lo-Fi. Back in a minute, people gotta hydrate. bring it down a notch with our very own luscious Luna Lo-Fi. All right, let's tune the music in and then turn it down. It's Lo-Fi Story Time with Pickering. Each story time, I'm going to give you a piece of me, a story from my life. And for today, I want to talk to you about making two years of the Lo-Fi poli podcast. You know, on this Friday, March 18th, it was our two-year birthday. Friday's episode, while it was episode 26 of season 5, it was collectively episode 441. And for five seasons and 442 episodes now, we've kept this thing going. You've kept this thing going. It's not me, I'm just a voice, a mouthpiece to the music that you play in your lives. It's your thoughts, your words, your inspirations that keep us going. You know, when all this started, it was just a way to let my people know that I was still there, regardless of being miles and miles away, separated by lockdowns and lifestyles. And all of our lifestyles changed on March 12th and 13th, 2020. Just as our lifestyles were reborn March 18th, 2020. You know, 
podcasting had never occurred to me as a way to keep you close. I mean, yeah, I listened to podcasts back then, and I liked the idea of it, and even the name Lo-Fi Poli Sci had long been with me as a cool acronym for an idea that I really hadn't put to anything more than just an idea of something. And there was no thought of a Lo-Fi Poli Sci podcast. But I'm truly thankful we found this way to connect, to keep close. I'm thankful you found me. Because let's be honest here, a professor makes a podcast for a class lame. Who wants to listen to that shit? Nobody. And no, I will not play a clip from OG season one so you can hear the difference in how it is. No, it sucked. Simple as that. I didn't know what I was doing. I had never podcasted before. My life was upside down. I had just moved and life was just, it was unstable. And those early episodes reflect that and the transition we made over time, and the evolution of our sound and style, and eventually music, because we didn't even originally have music. It was crazy. But we changed. We learned as we went along. And you, you were there that whole time, telling me which way to turn, what worked, what didn't work, what music sounded good, what didn't, what stories you wanted to hear. You know how sometimes I'd sound like a, a 1920s radio host calling all lo-fi listeners today the news. Or perhaps I was more like your local traffic and weather report from LPSP, P-I-C-K-E-R-I-N-G. And you were always there pushing us to make us better. And those of you who are new to the cast this semester, your presence is felt in a real kind of way. You know, your voice is heard. The push is there. Every season, for five seasons now, our goal is always to do something fresh each season, to be better and catch new people, as well as to do something different for those who stuck around since the beginning. And you know, this season, we debuted a website for the first time, like a legit lofipolyside.com homepage, our home for all of us. And no, it ain't perfect. I know it's lofi. What do you expect? At me with suggestions. But we've built something to build off of. We have our blog on the webpage where we drop weekly life updates, just talking about the week that was. We got all the music from all the seasons for you to grab and use as you want. You know, we actually even made and put up there a Lo-Fi Study Beats Volume 1, a 26-minute release of six different Lo-Fi tracks we cut together ourselves. And for the first time, we created long-form episodes for our Monday shows, like what you're hearing today. Because in the past, Lo-Fi Poli Sci was always short-form, which Tuesdays and Fridays still are, but we also used to be five days a week. Which, damn, it's nice to only be cast in three days a week, but I hear your whispers from some of you out there, you missing those five-day news schedules, I know, I know. But even I gotta breathe sometimes. There it is. Now we go. We even did a prototype. And yes, I say prototype to make it sound cooler than it really is. I know, I know. But a prototype of a lo-fi poli sci button or pin. You know, just to see what it would look like. Which we may just be making a whole bunch more of soon. And Letters of the Lo-Fi Poli Sci, also published on lofipolisci.com homepage, just made one year. And writing with you letters, peeps feeling your words it's been one of the most beautiful and amazing experiences of the past year simple as that and just so you know others out there feel your words too they're just all low-key lo-fi quiet about it but they tell me you know our once a month essays hit people in a real kind of way so keep writing we'll keep publishing but lo-fi poli sci after two years five seasons and 442 episodes we are still relevant as ever because of you. I mean, for the first time, we're putting together a mini-series of connected episodes on development called Our World in Numbers, a nine-part mini-series. If you would have asked me about that two years ago, I would have said, what? If you would have asked me two years ago, do I think professor's podcasting would be a viable option to reach anyone? I would have said, what? If you would have asked me two years ago that I would ever grow to be as close to you as I am, as I'm continuing to become, there's no way I would have guessed things would play out the way that they have. And you listening to my voice right now, you have changed my life. 
and you are continuing to do so. And for that, thank you. But what's next on the Lo-Fi Poli Sci podcast agenda, question mark? Well, I'll, I, can't, I can't give you too many spoilers, but there are some big question marks out there in the verse at the moment. I just can't quite yet talk about them, but hopefully soon. But the immediate one that I can is queuing up to do a second live show. And I don't have the when, I don't have the where, and damn, I don't have the time. But I'm feeling it. But if that show happens, it'll be because of you. So if you want it, make it happen. You know, keep this in mind. These next words, they're not a catchphrase. They're a lifestyle. Always remember that Lo-Fi Poli Sci is more than just me. It's the we that we be. And we'll be right back with some news to close us out. But first, chill with some tunes. back with a last couple pieces of news to send you on your way for the day. Send us out with some not-so-heavy headlines, five quickies for you. And first, the post-colonial update for you, as Spain, the former colonial power of Morocco, has changed its official stance on the Western Sahara Territory, saying that Morocco, it should be yours. Oh, I imagine while this sits well with Morocco, this most certainly does not sit well with Western Saharan people. So we will keep our ears to the ground for this one, people. We'll let you know what's up. And Brazil versus social media, because go figure, a judge says, let's ban Telegram. And if you don't know out there what Telegram is, it's an internationally used messaging app that lots of people around the globe use to spread citizen journalism in places where it's otherwise hard to know what's really going down. 
And this is all because, apparently, Telegram has been ignoring court orders from Brazil to ban certain people doing false information or providing information to authorities and to name representatives in Brazil. I'll keep you updated with this one because Telegram, that's a big deal. And Australia... Oh, they're suing Facebook. What? 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 What, Australia? What are you doing? Taking on meta like that. Yes, indeed. Get you some of that Facebook money. Mm-hmm. Or will you? And, of course, you lo-fi listeners out there are already asking, what did Facebook do this time? Australia is alleging that Facebook allows scam ads with fake celebrity endorsements on their platforms that steals people money in Australia. Ooh, Facebook, please say it isn't so. They're so nice over there, aren't they? And in South Africa, the president curses in parliament. Yeah, a simple thing, not a big deal. Or is it? A simple question to you, lo-fi listeners out there. Should your president curse? Yes or no? Right in, I'm curious your thoughts. And a last piece of news to send you on your way to the week. The United States Senate voted and passed along bipartisan line agreements, and sent a bill to the House of Representatives to end the nonsense bullshit of changing our damn clocks twice a year. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited about this. Please, please stop the clock changing. I lost an hour of my sleep last week, and I still have not found it. Help the effort, people. Save my sleep. And that's a brief snapshot of what's going on in the world today. Right into the show. Check us out on www.lofipolisad.com. Ooh, that sounds so official. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube, myself on LinkedIn. Connect to us, people. And check out Friday's latest blog post. Always remember that Lofi Polisad is more than just me. It's the we that we be. Talk to you next time, Lofi listeners. Pickering, signing off. A little behind the scenes for all you that stuck around. I really can't say thank you enough for two years, people. You've changed me forever. Much love.